I had the pleasure of chatting with Shirley Ware from Menopause Chicks fame. Here I am, just six months deep into the experience of learning all I can about women's healthy aging, and Shirley has had an amazing resource available to women for over eight years now. Shirley knows her stuff, and I learned a lot from her in our short chit chat. Shirley is a TEDx talk speaker and author of Mokita, which means the truth we all know but choose not to speak in the Papua New Guinean language. And this shines a light on the reason why we want to bring the conversation to the forefront for women and men. And welcome to Shirley Ware from the Menopause Chicks to the Sexy Aging Podcast today. How are you going, Shirley? Hi, Tracy. I'm great. Thank you. I, I thought it would be really cool to catch up with someone that has a online resource called the Menopause Chicks. I'm like, that's a lady I want to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what a menopause chick is? I always think of a menopause chick as someone who's like smart and savvy and likes to consume their information online. Yeah, well, that's what's happening now. So I think we've become a little bit smarter and savvier when it comes to the online you know, resources because for a lot of us around the world, and we've probably gone straight into this conversation right now, um, a lot of us around the world have been like, you know, as you go through the menopause symptoms, there isn't like resources out there or even friends that can help you out, tell you what's going on. So, you know, the 2am, get up in the middle of the night, Dr. Google, and then you come up against, um, you know, really fantastic, amazing sites like themenopausechicks.com. Just do a little push out there. Um, Shirley, you are based in British Columbia. Is that right? I am. I'm in Vancouver. Beautiful. It's on my bucket list. Canada. I haven't been to Canada yet, but mm. some of my favorite people are Canadian. I've, I think I've mentioned. Come to Canada. Come to Canada. Come to New Zealand. <laughs> I think you've got as much the same. Same, same. Yeah. Um, so. But one of the really cool things that I found out about you when I was stalking you was um, you have this fabulous TED Talk. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's very cool. And I just, you know, from a personal perspective, you're standing up there, you're telling it like it is. And I thought, this is a woman that I need to know. And so that was my journey into finding, you know, what really? you do in the world. Yeah. So I just recommend anybody that wants to find out a real tell it like it is perspective on the amazing third age or this change of life that that hits us like a ton of bricks but then can also take you off into an amazing opportunity um check out Shirley Ware on TED Talks X thank you put it in the show notes um Shirley I'm going to back it down and I'd really like to um give you the opportunity to tell the listeners and the viewers a little bit about your journey like how did you come to set up the resources to support women going through this transition and it has you've been around for a while so I think maybe a decade you've been but look at you fabulous and sexy like you know, you know? I have been doing this for a while I can't believe I started menopause chicks nine years ago and it's been my full-time job for the last five years. So I'm 54 years old. I reached menopause at age 49. Uh, So that's 12 consecutive months without a period. But I probably started my research around age 40, 41. Um, I did (laughs) never in my wildest dreams did I think I was going to grow up and become a menopause chick. That wasn't... (laughs) 
that wasn't my life's plan. It was um, meant to I, be. It was meant to be. <laughs> I had a 30-year career in marketing and communications and um you know, I just saw an opportunity when I got up in the middle of the night and started uh, turning to Dr. Google for answers to questions around sleep deprivation and mood changes and changes to bleeding and all those things that happen. I all, It was one of those things that I was aware of. I was, certainly wasn't 100% in the dark. But I had made this giant assumption that when it came time for me to embrace this learning, that the answer was out there somewhere. It was just something I hadn't learned about yet, which is, you know, like most of us, right? If you've never installed a skylight in your house, then you're going to go on YouTube and you're going to learn how to do that at, when the time comes. And this was different. I turned to Dr. Google and I just couldn't find a reputable, verified answers that sat well with me, you know, that kind of provided that here's the map, here's the journey, here's what you need to do. And I couldn't find a community. And uh, so that was what really led me to, at the time, start a blog because everyone was blogging. Um, and then it was about four years later when everybody was starting Facebook groups and I wanted to start a private group because I had done a little bit of research um, that told me that women, A, have a lot of questions about their midlife health. 77% of women have questions about their midlife health. And 70% of women told me that they didn't have anyone to talk to. And so that was the birth of what is now the Menopause Chicks community on Facebook. And we have 35,000 members in there. They're very active. Um, they have like about an 80, 83% active rate every month. Lots of questions. All of the answers come to our members through verified health resources. So the experts are designated health professionals, the research has been verified. And that for me, I and mean, I kind of always have created things in my life that I want, right? Um, that was really important because you can go down so many rabbit holes, as you know, when you do like to consume your information online, but you don't actually have your favorite verified bookmarks. Yeah, so thank you so much for setting that up because I have also seen the private Facebook page and I'm, I think I'm probably like a fan or a friend or a user in about 10 of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of that is just my personal research and which which kind of it tells you back to yourself that whatever you're doing, whatever information you're putting out there and whatever community you're building, um, it's helping more and more people. you're enjoying listening to my chit chat with Shirley. She is a woman's warrior. You can find Shirley at menopausechicks.com and join her global community of women on the Menopause Chicks Facebook page. Now let's keep this conversation going, shall we? When you're going through perimenopause and you're still trying to figure out, um, you know, exactly what's going on, what were some of the toughest moments for you? 
Sure, that's a great question. So let's back up and just um, clarify definitions for starters. So um, perimenopause is the phase of life leading up to menopause. And it's a term that was only coined in 1996. So it's relatively new. And so often I do get asked about menopause symptoms, quote unquote, and really you know, what started this journey for me was perimenopause, which is the phase of life defined by age and not by symptoms and not by suffering. And I think that's really important for your listeners to understand because, you know, you can sail through perimenopause if you can keep your hormones balanced and really prioritize your health. For me, however, (laughs) I, um, I showed up in my doctor's office because I was really concerned about brain fog. I was trying to run a business, raise two small kids, look after my aging mother. You all know this story, right? And I was burnt out and I had brain fog, but I actually was questioning whether or not it was the beginning of dementia. So that was like probably one of my number one concerns. Um, I had sleep deprivation. Well, did the sleep deprivation lead to the brain fog? Maybe, right? And I had mood changes that I had never experienced before. I had PMS that I had never experienced before. And I even had moments of rage with my kids. And that was scaring me a lot. And so I really was curious to figure it out and to learn more. Menopause is one day. It's just one day. It's the 12 month anniversary after we haven't had a period for 12 consecutive months. And then post-menopause is every day for the rest of your life. And it's important not to leave the conversation there. It's not like you ever get through it or over it. That's a big myth and misconception. Postmenopause, what happens in postmenopause after our hormones have been fluctuating, sometimes wildly, in perimenopause, in postmenopause, our estrogen goes for a deep decline. So even women who will come to my community and they'll say things like, oh, it's been no problem for me. You know, I've sailed through. Definitely, I believe them. And then they may reach 51, 52, 54 and start being really surprised and taken aback by some of the things that are happening in their body because estrogen is our juicy hormone and it's responsible for keeping our eyes and our mouth and our joints and our vaginas moist. And when that declines, about 80% of women will experience vaginal dryness. So it's really important, A, if we can get ahead of that curve and do some preventative um, conversations and learning. But it's also important for women to know that that's not a foregone conclusion. It's not the end of the end. It's just an opportunity for us to take a time out and say, oh boy, now it's time to invest in my health. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that for us, Shirley, like the the three stages, because even for myself, I am going through the journey. And obviously, I'm all up in my head about perimenopause, because that's my journey right now. And I haven't yet had the the 12 months without um, a period. So I would say my last period was maybe four months ago. And that's been the stutter (laughs) for the last couple (laughs) of years. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I'll get and it's light spotting. And then it's 
you know raging hormones and and that's only sort of like every four to six months and it's been like that like the last three years so I'm really in that whole perimenopause thing and so when you explain hey look and then this happens and then this happens that's really cool like I haven't yet had that conversation so thank you so much for bringing that to the podcast I think that's an important thing and you're right about the menopause or the postmenopause the drop in estrogen and all the things that start to kick in what we want to do is just let people know it's not the end <laughs> you're not you haven't fallen off the cliff but here's just no. what you need to know and there's a there's a ton of things you can do and there's there's more and more science that is still sort of coming to the foreground about this it's been a bit freaking slow to be honest but it's been a bit um, slow yeah <laughs> <laughs> but for the two of us you know having these open conversations, the forums, the, the resources and stuff, we, we, it's getting more exciting, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, one of the reasons yep. I think that it's been slow is lack of conversation. Like, so yeah. that's what I applaud you and your podcast and your listeners for tuning in too, because, you know, the things that we don't talk about actually are hurting or potentially causing harm to our body. So that's, that's really important. And the other thing is that, you know, we all work within a traditional medical system, no matter what country you're listening from, we have sort of this traditional model of healthcare. And often that model um, rewards patients, women, for going to the doctor when something is wrong, but doesn't reward us for going to the doctor before something is wrong. Yeah, yeah, and having that open conversation and sort of saying, yeah. hey, look, I'm at this stage of my life, I have noticed a few things, and what can you tell me about what's going on? It's actually happening the other way. <laughs> yeah, it happens the other way. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that was my story. Anyone that sort of heard me go on about it is about my journey to access HRT. So, and how how difficult that was as a, as a woman in New Zealand, um, and the health system, which is an amazing health system, to be honest. Yeah. But the fact yeah. that I couldn't have my doctor say, hey, look, okay, well, it looks like you're a really good candidate. She was like, I have no idea <laughs> what, Same in Canada. Know, what, why you're asking me for this, because yeah. you seem healthy enough. I'm like, uh, life could be better. <laughs> That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's an interesting conversation. Maybe it's a whole other podcast, but yeah. health health professionals telling their patients, you seem fine when they have just showed up expressing health concerns and expressing health goals. There's a gap, you know, that's yeah. an inequality in our healthcare. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned vaginal dryness in, we, we talk about, you know, how women don't um, speak of it right so yeah. I'm I'm totally open to taking things out of the closet taking them off the shelf putting them out there um, we actually did a podcast episode with one of my fantastic guests in Australia and it was talking about um, the frequency of this one of these symptoms um, yep. and you know what you can do about it but Definitely. it's it, apparently it's only one in ten women that actually have vaginal dryness will even mention it to their GP it's a lot uh, of ladies oh, yeah. going, you know, that's a lot of people walking around like freaking uncomfortable, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, 
<laughs> it's quite alarming some of the stories that I have heard since the vaginal dryness conversation has been cracked open at menopause chicks. Um, you might be interested to know, we've already mentioned that uh, vaginal dryness is common in post-menopause, yeah. but it's not the only reason for vaginal dryness. One of the most common culprits is the birth control pill. And that can oh, affect wow. women at any age. So you talk about women walking around feeling uncomfortable and think about how ironic it is that we're putting women on birth control pill and then they experience vaginal dryness. Like it blows my mind. And the second common culprit is women's um, women who overuse panty liners or absorbent pads can also experience vulva and vaginal dryness. And that makes sense. If you think about how an absorbent pad is like drawing the moisture out of your skin. If you wore a bandaid on your arm all yeah. day, every day, it would dry out as well. So it totally makes sense. But um, again, it's just not a common conversation that's happening yet. Wow, I am learning so much from you <laughs> right now. It's like, wow. Those are, um, I think I've sort of seen posts and little tidbits of information as I'm kind of journeying through this. But thank you for um, bringing that to light. And I hope that someone hears this and goes, okay, that's a change for me. That's something I'm going to make a change to now. Hey, Shirley, we both have teenage daughters. And one yes. of the things I was thinking of, and, and we've kind of spoken of this before, is isn't it really interesting that they are so comfortable having a talk or mentioning, hey, I've got my period today, don't talk to me, I'm feeling this, I'm uncomfortable, has anybody got any Panadol? Um, in front of everyone, <laughs> the whole family. And yet, at the other end, which is the bookend of, of um, the reproductive cycle, uh, it's not the same for us. And both of us have spoken about that before. So yeah, yeah. How, how, how are things with your daughter? Do you get the yeah, same I, thing? I yeah. interviewed my daughter just a couple of weeks ago and I asked her, you know, that very question of, do you think it's going to be different for you and your friends? My daughter's 18 um, as you reach your thirties, forties and beyond. And she um, compared it a little bit to conversations around mental health. And she said, you know, that her and her friends have grown up having open, frank conversations about mental health, about sexual health. And I think that is going to serve them well. Um, yeah. They're also very smart and savvy. And I think that, you know, what we're doing, the work that we're doing now might be cracking open the conversation. I really think that our it's our daughters who are actually going to change the conversation. So yeah, I'm, well, I think I'm it's so, so optimistic, so yeah. optimistic about the future. Yeah, I feel that too. I, I think it's quite funny that in one household, you've got a, a child, you know, our child is, you know, got, has been going through puberty a couple of years. And at the other end, you've got mum going through, you know, their change as well. And the both of us having our conversations at the same time. My daughter actually told me that a lot of her friends' mums listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, good. That's amazing. That was good. But it's you've good, just right? identified, uh, you know, in terms of the history of the world, you've identified a relatively new phenomenon because um, our bodies were originally designed to have babies at a much earlier age than society is embracing at this point. So that 
age where, you know, you've got the teenagers in the house had we had our babies at 18, 19 and 20, that wouldn't have been the case. So I think it's really interesting. And then the other thing is that, you know, our bodies were women used to die at 50. Yeah. Like hundred years ago, <laughs> we wouldn't be having this conversation because I wouldn't be here. I'm 54. Yeah. Um, but the reality now is that women will live to be 85 to hundred. I'm shooting for a hundred if, if everything is working the way it's supposed to, but evolution hasn't caught up. So we end up asking our bodies to do the exact same jobs they used to do <laughs> in our mm. 20s, 30s, and 40s for three to five more decades. Yeah. We're like, hey, brain, do this. Hey, heart, hey, hey, vagina, be the yeah. way that you always were. And yet they don't have the same ingredients. So that's, you know, definitely a case study for you when you're going and talking to your health team about the benefits of hormone therapy and, and how to invest yeah. in your health. Yeah, no, I agree. And that is the journey that I'm on right now because the whole the, the whole beginning of my journey, how I got into this was, uh, it was about longevity. It yeah. was about how do, I, how do I live my best life up until 90, you know? And then I fell into the rabbit hole of, but what's happening today that's affecting how I can achieve that? So yeah. it is really just comes down to all, all over health, like everything we need to do to stay as healthy as we can for the future for sure. that we want. And this is just a moment in time that we need to address, but there's just, there wasn't enough information about it. So, so it's really good that we, um, that we get to catch up about this. You've also written a book, Shirley. Do you, you want to tell us about your book? Cause I, I often, um, promote the books that are written by so many of the women on the podcast. So can you tell us about your book? So uh, three years ago, I wrote a book called Mokita. It's um, how to navigate perimenopause with confidence and ease. I stole the word Mokita or the word found me, I should say. Um, it's from Papua New Guinea and it means the truth we all know, but choose not to speak, to speak. of. Yes, I love so, that. Right? It's not a mm. myth or a misconception, although the book does break down a lot of the most common myths and misconceptions because I do believe that in order for women to learn about their health, they first must unlearn. Uh, yes, what yes. they may have inherited from previous generations or from media or even from the, the medical communities. So um, the first half of Mokita is my narrative, a lot of information from my research over the last nine years. And the second half of Mokita really uh, attempts to empower women to build their own midlife health team. Um, so you might want to work with your family doctor. We have a chapter from your fa from a family doctor, but we also have chapters from a naturopath, from an acupuncturist, a pelvic floor expert, a pharmacist, like, and it really helps to open up our minds to the concept of, wait a second, if I was building a house, I would have more than one plumber doing the job for me. So when I'm looking after my health, it's important that I draw in the professionals who can help me now. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. We will be posting that up onto the social site so that people can access um, your book as well. So thank you so much, Shirley. Um, yeah, well, that was awesome. A good chat. You've given me so much food for thought, and I'm really excited uh, for when this episode comes out on the podcast awesome. and stay stay safe stay well you too great to chat with you
Good to talk to you too. Thank you. Hey, I just wanted to take this opportunity to highlight that I've recently started taking HRT. Many women have asked me about my experience and since I want to be as transparent as possible, I'll quickly share here. I've done everything I could. Sleep, de-stress, exercise, healthy eating, meditation, getting out in nature, catching up with friends, and all of these things have made a positive, positive impact to the perimenopause symptoms I was experiencing. Except for the random joint pain which I would get while lying down. Lying down! <laughs> and the brain fog. I mean, I used to take notes of all the things I wanted to achieve on any given day, and when I sat down to get started, there were days that I felt like I was reading a completely different language, and I just didn't know where to start. So while I would always advocate for living a healthy lifestyle first and foremost, I can share that HRT has made my joint pain and brain fog disappear. Poof! I am loving these conversations with women from all over the world. I've learned so much and I want to keep learning so that I can share with you to help you navigate your way through this time of our life, to feel well, to feel good, empowered and sexy. I have testimonies every day from women that have found some comfort in the episodes and so I'm putting it out there that if you are loving the content and it's helping you, please consider subscribing monthly or even donating. This podcast is not a paid gig and I am doing it purely out of passion. I'm obviously not Joe Rogan who sold his podcast for $72 million. I'm a woman like you exploring how to live a long and healthy life.